0: Leolam vayet. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Shabbat shalom. this week we are reading from the israel bible for the hebrew scriptures and from the king james for the brit hadashah so now let's continue our journey through the entire bible in one year today we finish up the torah portion mikketz and it means at the end of genesis 43:30 to 44:17 with that joseph hurried out for he was overcome with feeling toward his brothers And was on the verge of tears. He went into a room and wept there. Then he washed his face, reappeared, and now, in control of himself, he gave the order, Serve the meal. They served him by himself, and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves. For the Egyptians could not dine with the Hebrews, since that would be abhorrent to the Egyptians. As they were seated by his direction, from the oldest in the order of his seniority to the youngest in the order of his youth, the men looked at one another in astonishment. Portions were served them from his table, but Benjamin's portion was several times that of anyone else, and they drank their fill with him. Then he instructed his house steward as follows, Fill the men's bags with food. As much as they can carry, and put each one's money in the mouth of his bag. Put my silver goblet in the mouth of the bag of the youngest one, together with his money for the rations. And he did as Joseph told him. With the first light of morning, the men were sent off with their pack animals. They had just left the city and had not gone far. When Joseph said to his steward, Up, go after the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, Why did you repay good with evil? It is the very one from which my master drinks and which he uses for divination. It was a wicked thing for you to do. He overtook them and spoke those words to them. And they said to him, Why does my lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything of the kind. Here we brought back to you from the land of Canaan the money that we found in the mouths of our bags. How then could we have stolen any silver or gold from your master's house? Whichever of your servants it is found with shall die. The rest of us, moreover, shall become slaves to my Lord. He replied, Although what you are proposing is right, only the one with whom it is found shall be my slave, but the rest of you shall go free. So each one hastened to lower his bag to the ground, and each one opened his bag. He searched, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest, and the goblet turned up, in Benjamin's bag. At this, they rent their clothes. Each reloaded his pack animal and they returned to the city. When Judah and his brothers re-entered the house of Joseph, who was still there, they threw themselves on the ground before him. Joseph said to them, What is this deed that you have done? Do you not know that a man like me practices divination? Judah replied, What can we say to my Lord? How can we plead? How can we prove our innocence? Hashem has uncovered the crime of your servants? Here we are then, slaves of my Lord, the rest of us as much as he in whose possession the goblet was found. But he replied, "Far be it from me to act thus. Only he in whose possession the goblet was found shall be my slave. The rest of you go back in peace to your father Zephaniah one one to three twenty The word of Hashem that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, and son of Hezekiah, during the reign of King Josiah, son of Ammon, of Yehuda: I will sweep everything away from the face of the earth, declares Hashem. I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea. I will make the wicked stumble, and I will destroy mankind from the face of the earth declares Hashem. I will stretch out my arm against Yehuda and against all who dwell in Jerusalem, and I will wipe out from this place every vestige of Baal and the name of the priestlings along with the Kohanim, and those who bow down on the roofs to the host of heaven, and those who bow down and swear to Hashem, but also swear by Malcolm, and those who have forsaken Hashem, and those who have not sought HaShem and have not turned to Him. Be silent before my God, for the day of HaShem is approaching, for HaShem has prepared a sacrificial feast, has bidden His guests purify themselves. And on the day of HaShem's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all who don a foreign vestment. I will also punish on that day everyone who steps over the threshold who fill their master's palace with lawlessness and fraud. And that day there shall be, declares Hashem, a loud outcry from the fish gate, and howling from the Mishnah, and a sound of great anguish from the hills. The dwellers of Maktesh howl, for the tradesmen have perished, all who weigh silver are wiped out. At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, And I will punish the men who rest on trouble on their leaves, who say to themselves, Hashem will do nothing, good or bad. Their wealth shall be plundered and their homes laid waste. They shall build houses and not dwell in them, plant vineyards and not drink their wine. The great day of Hashem is approaching, approaching most swiftly. Hark! The day of Hashem, it is bitter. There are there a warrior shrieks that day shall be a day of wrath a day of trouble and distress a day of calamity and desolation a day of darkness and deep gloom, a day of densest clouds a day of shofar blasts and alarms against the fortified towns and the lofty corner towers i will bring distress on the people And they shall walk like blind men, because they sinned against Hashem. Their blood shall be spilled like dust, and their fat like dung. Moreover, their silver and gold shall not avail to save them. On the day of Hashem's wrath, in the fire of His passion, the whole land shall be consumed. For He will make a terrible end of all who dwell in the land. Gather together, gather, O nation without shame. Before the day the decree is born, the day flies like like shaft. Before the fierce anger of Hashem overtakes you, before the day of anger of Hashem overtakes you, seek Hashem, all you humble of the land, who have fulfilled His Torah. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you will find shelter on the day of Hashem's anger. Indeed, Gaza shall be deserted, and Ashkelon desolate. Ashdod's people shall be expelled in broad daylight, and Ekron shall be uprooted. Ah, nation of Cherethites who inhabit the seacoast. There is a word of Hashem against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines. I will lay you waste without inhabitants. The seacoast, Chereth shall become an abode for shepherds and folds for flocks and shall be a portion for the remnant of the house of Judah. On these pastures they shall graze their flocks. They shall lie down at eventide in the houses of Ashkelon for Hashem their God will take note of them and restore their fortunes. I have heard the insults of Moab and the jeers of the Ammonites who have insulted my people and gloated over their country. Assuredly, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Saviot, the God of Israel, Moab shall become like Sodom, and the Ammonites like Gomorrah, clumps of weeds and patches of salt, and desolation forevermore. The remnant of my people shall plunder them, the remainder of my nation shall possess them. That is what they'll get for their haughtiness for insulting and jeering at the people of the Lord of hosts. HaShem will show himself terrible against them, causing all the gods on earth to shrivel, and all the coastlands of the nations shall bow down to him, every man in his own home. You Cushites, too, they shall be slain by my sword, and he will stretch out his arm against the north and destroy Assyria. He will make Nineveh a desolation, arid as the desert." In it flocks shall lie down every species of beast, while jackdaws and owls roost on its capitals. The great owl hoots in the window, and the raven croaks on the threshold, for he has stripped its cedar-work bare. Is this the gay city that dwelt secure, that thought in her heart, I am, and there is none but me? Alas, she has become a waste, a lair of wild beasts, Everyone who passes by her hisses and gestures with his hand. Ah, sullied, polluted, overbearing city. She has been disobedient and has learned no lesson. She has not trusted in Hashem and has not drawn near to her God. The officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are wolves of the steppe. They leave no bone until morning. Her Nevi'im are reckless, faithless fellows. Her Kohenim profane what is holy. They give perverse rulings. But Hashem in her midst is righteous. He does no wrong. He issues judgment every morning, as unfailing as the light. The wrongdoer knows no shame. I wiped out nations. Their corner towers are desolate. I turned their thoroughfares into ruins. With none passing by, their towns lie waste without people, without inhabitants. And I thought that she would fear me, would learn a lesson, and that the punishment I brought on them would not be lost on her. Instead, all the more eagerly they have practiced corruption in all their deeds. But wait for me, says Hashem, for the day when I arise as an accuser, when I decide to gather nations, To bring kingdoms together, to pour out my indignation on them, all my blazing anger, indeed, by the fire of my passion, all the earth shall be consumed. For then I will make the peoples pure of speech, so that they all invoke Hashem by name and serve Him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Cush, My suppliants shall bring offerings to me in fair Puzai. In that day you will no longer be shamed for all the deeds by which you have defied me. For then I will remove the proud and exultant within you, and you will be haughty no more on my sacred mount. But I will leave within you a poor, humble folk, and they shall find refuge in the name of Hashem. The remnant of Israel shall do no wrong and speak no falsehood. A deceitful tongue shall not be in their mouths. Only such as these shall graze and lie down, with none to trouble them. Shout for joy, fair Zion. Cry aloud, O Israel. Rejoice and be glad with all your heart, fair Jerusalem. Hashem has annulled the judgment against you. He has swept away your foes. Israel's sovereign Hashem is within you. You need fear, misfortune no more. In that day, this shall be said to Jerusalem, Have no fear, O Zion, let not your hands droop. Your God Hashem is in your midst, a warrior who brings triumph. He will rejoice over you and be glad. He will shout over you with jubilation. He will soothe you with his love. Those long, disconsolate, I will take away from you the woe over which you endured mockery. At that time, I will make an end of all who afflicted you, and I will rescue the lame sheep and gather the strayed, and I will exchange their disgrace for fame and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will gather you, and at that time, I will bring you home." For I will make you renowned and famous among all the peoples on earth when I restore your fortunes before their very eyes, says Hashem. Revelation 10, 1-11 And I, John, saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth, and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered. And write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swore by him that lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things therein are and the earth and the things there, that there, therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that they should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel WHEN HE SHALL BEGIN TO SOUND, THE MYSTERY OF GOD SHOULD BE FINISHED, AS HE HAS DECLARED TO HIS SERVANTS THE PROPHETS. AND THE VOICE WHICH I HEARD FROM HEAVEN SPOKE TO ME AGAIN, AND SAID, GO, AND TAKE THE LITTLE BOOK WHICH IS open IN THE HAND OF THE ANGEL, WHICH STANDS UPON THE SEA AND UPON THE EARTH. AND I WENT UNTO THE ANGEL, AND SAID TO HIM, GIVE ME THE LITTLE BOOK. AND HE SAID TO ME, TAKE IT, AND EAT IT UP, AND IT SHALL MAKE YOUR BELLY BITTER. But it shall be in your mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said to me, You must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Psalm 138, 1-8 to I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth. For you have magnified the word above all your name. In the day when I cried, you answered me and strengthened me with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet has he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knows afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You shall stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me, your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the works of your own hands. Proverbs 30, 11-14 There is a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords, and their jaw teeth as knives, to devour the poor from off the earth, and the needy from among men. I'd like to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Genesis chapter 44, and then we're going to jump into Zephaniah. In Genesis chapter 44, verse 8, it is written, Here we brought back to you from the land of Canaan the money that we found in the mouths of our bags. How then could we have stolen any silver or gold from your master's house? So, again, Joseph is testing his brothers to find out where they are in their heart. He's testing them, and he put the goblet into Benjamin's bag. And he wants to find out what their reaction is, what their response will be. Will they throw Benjamin under the bus the way they did to him? Or will they seek to protect their brother Benjamin? Now remember, Benjamin and Joseph, their mother is Rachel. And then the other sons, their mothers are Leah and and the other concubines. So the Israel Bible commentary to this verse is as follows. The brothers attempt to exonerate themselves from the accusations of theft by mentioning that they had already returned the extra money they found in their sacks after the previous trip. Why must the brothers specify that they returned the money from the land of Canaan? It seems that in the brothers' minds, this detail adds a further verification of their honesty. As they brought the money back from the land of Israel, known for its spiritual heights, They must surely have noble intentions. Since antiquity, Eretz Israel has been synonymous with morality, and the land itself demands a high level of ethical responsibility from its inhabitants. Now let's jump into Zephaniah. It's a small little book, a minor prophet, only three chapters, and we read all of the book today in today's reading. But this book is very much all about the end of days. And so it's very relevant to what we are experiencing in this world right now. Let's begin with Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 15, where it is written, That day shall be a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of calamity and desolation, a day of darkness and deep gloom, a day of densest clouds. Now, what does it mean when it says that day? That is code. It's talking about the day of the Lord. And what is the day of the Lord? Well, let me give you a little bit of background. The seven days of creation are a prototype. They're a template. The seven days, each day can be likened to a thousand years. And in fact, there are a couple of verses, one in Psalms, and one in the New Testament that says a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like the day, one day. And so you can look at it this way. God has a day timer, and it's a 7,000-year day timer. He has a plan, and it's a 7,000-year plan, okay? And so when we get to the end of the sixth day and we come into sundown of the seventh day, now remember on the Hebrew calendar, at sundown begins a new day. And so a new day begins in darkness. So on day one of the final 1,000 years of that 7,000 year calendar, it begins at sundown. It begins in darkness. And that is the beginning of the 1,000 year rule and reign of Yeshua. So it begins with the tribulation, the time known as Jacob's trouble, and that time period is three and a half years. That's spoken of in Revelation chapter 12, and it's also spoken of in Daniel chapter 9, that it's a time, times and half time, which is 42 months or three and a half years. So the beginning of the 1,000 year rule and reign of Yeshua begins with Jacob's trouble, because at sundown, the night starts to descend. So that day, the day of the Lord, is the 1,000 years that Yeshua is going to rule and reign. Well, it starts, that 1,000-year rule and reign begins with Jacob's trouble, that Yeshua has to show up and start doing a cleanup, mop-up operation to deal with all the wickedness and the corruption and the sin in the earth. So the day of the Lord is 1,000 years. It is the final 1,000 years of the 7,000-year plan of God. So now let's read what the Israel Bible commentary is to this verse. The Hebrew name of Israel's Holocaust Remembrance Day, Yom HaShoah, comes from this verse. When describing the devastating destruction of Jerusalem, Zephaniah refers to that day as Yom Shoah, a day of calamity and desolation. Yom HaShoah was established by the Knesset in memory of the 6 million Jews murdered by the Nazis during World War II. It coincides with the anniversary of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, remembering not only the destruction of European Jewry, but also the heroic revolt which serves as a symbol of defiance against oppression. Yom HaShoah is commemorated in Israel with a siren that is sounded in the morning, bringing everyone, even freeway traffic, to a standstill for a minute of silence in memory of those who perished in the Holocaust. Memorial ceremonies are held throughout the country, and entertainment establishments are closed in the evening to focus on the solemnness of the day. Now let's continue and jump into Zephaniah chapter 2, and let's look at verse 3, where it is written, Seek Hashem, all you humble of the land, who have fulfilled his Torah. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will find shelter on the day of Hashem's anger. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. The humble of the land are the few who rejected idolatry, quietly serving God in the land of Israel despite the hardships. Zephaniah encourages them to continue their loyalty to Hashem despite the decree of destruction and exile soon to take effect. He uses the command, Seek, three times. To seek the Lord, to seek righteousness, and to seek humility. The three go together. One cannot seek God without striving for righteousness or without behaving with humility, since the way we treat others automatically affects how we treat God. If they continue to seek Hashem, perhaps you will find shelter on the day of Hashem's anger. Zephaniah teaches that the safest refuge from God's anger is with Hashem himself. Well said, and now let's jump into Zephaniah chapter 3, and I want to look at verse 9, where it is written, For then I will make the peoples pure of speech, so that they all invoke Hashem by name and serve Him with one accord. So the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows: The prophet describes how, in the future, all the nations of the world will have pure speech, Safa Brura. Ibn Ezra, among other commentaries, commentators, maintains that the pure speech that Zephaniah promises is the language of Hebrew, and that in future times the whole world will begin to learn Hebrew, the language of creation. Biblical Hebrew is known as Lashon HaKodesh, the holy language. The Maharal Deuteronomy one twenty three writes that each language reflects the essence of the nation who speaks it. Since the Jewish people are a holy people, they speak the holy language. And since it is holy and pure, it contains no vulgar or shameful words. The Rambam adds that what makes this language holy is that it is the language with which God speaks with his prophets and his nation. This verse is another incredible example of an obscure prophecy that has come to prominent fruition in our generation as millions of people all over the world, both Jews and Gentiles, are learning Hebrew in order to speak Lashon HaKodesh. I will add to that that when Israel was reborn as a nation in May of 1948, and many Jews began to immigrate to Israel after the ashes of the Holocaust, that there was one man and only one man who knew Hebrew because Hebrew had become a dead language. That one man was Ben Yehuda. He knew Hebrew. So when he went to Israel and lived there, he insisted that his children, his wife and children, were not allowed to speak Yiddish or German or any other language in the home. They were only allowed to speak Hebrew. He then proceeded to write a huge dictionary of Hebrew. And so a dead language was revived and restored by one man. And in fact, he is commemorated in Jerusalem because they've named a street after him, Ben Yehuda Street, And that's one of my favorite places to shop. They've got all kinds of great um, shopping there on that street. It's all foot traffic only. They've got coffee shops and ice cream shops, restaurants, and all kinds of nice things to buy. And so, again, it's a miracle that this language that was dead was revived and restored right along with the rip the restoration of the actual rebirth of the nation of Israel. And so now let's take a look at Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, where it is written, Your God, Hashem, is in your midst, a warrior who brings triumph. He will rejoice over you and be glad. He will shout over you with jubilation. He will soothe you with his love. Now I want to back up and kind of hit the rewind button back to the other verse, verse 9, Zephaniah 3, verse 9, where it says, Then I will make the people's pure of speech, so that they all invoke Hashem by name and serve Him with one accord. So in the Hebrew, the Israel Bible translation, this is coming from a Jewish source. You can can find it online at theisraelbible.com. And you can also purchase the Israel Bible uh by going to that website and it's really a nice translation um and it shows the english and the hebrew side by side but what i want to talk about is why do the jewish people refer to god as hashem and so hashem means the name and so they understand that if you say yahweh yirevahi which is a very sacred and holy name, if you take his name in vain or carelessly or you slander his name, you are subject to very severe punishment. And so what they wanted to do was to protect God's name and protect people from being careless with his name. In a sense, they put a fence around his name to guard it and to protect it. And so when they, when they're referring to the God of Israel, they say Hashem. And it's a way of honoring and revering His name. But what is His true name? His true name is Yahweh. His true name is Yeshua. So in a way, whenever we read in the King James, for example, we often see the Lord. The Lord will do this and the Lord said that and, you know, the word of the Lord. And so whenever you see the word Lord in all caps in the King James, actually that's referring directly to Yahweh. So for a long time, God's true name was obscured. It was obscured in Judaism because they said Hashem and the true name was hidden. And it was obscured in Christianity and all these different translations because we call him God and we call him Lord and um That, But, you know, it's only been recently in the last 20 or 30 years or so that his true name has come forth, Yahweh and Yeshua. And so um, if you are interacting with any Jewish people, if you have relationship with any Jewish people um, as a sign of honor and respect, instead of saying Yahweh, um, you know, as a sign of honor and respect, it's okay to, to call him Hashem, or it's also very honoring to talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or the God of Israel, or Adonai. All of those are very respectful um, names that Jewish people can resonate with. But to say Yahweh and to use his name carelessly especially in the presence of Jewish people is very dishonoring so that's just kind of a a tip for how to interact with the Jewish people in a very respectful and honoring way now let's come back to that verse and I'll read it again verse 17 your God Hashem is in your midst A warrior who brings triumph. He will rejoice over you and be glad. He will shout over you with jubilation. He will soothe you with his love. What a beautiful, beautiful verse. And so the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Zephaniah describes the result of Hashem's judgment in triumphant terms. Having removed evil from the world, he will allow the remnant of Israel to live safely in its land, knowing that God dwells among the people of Israel in the land of Israel. Hashem himself will rejoice and sing when he sees his people dwelling in the land without fear of evil. The phrase, "Yakarish Translated here as, he will soothe with his love, literally means that God will be silent in his love. This wording intrigues many. Rashi suggests that the message behind these words is that in his love, Hashem will be silent even should Israel sin again. Sometimes the greatest demonstration of love in a relationship is when one side can ignore the shortcomings of the other. But what I love about this verse is the picture of, of the Lord, of, of the God of Israel shouting over you and over me with jubilation and Him soothing us with His love. Are there times when we need to be soothed? Of course. There's times when our nerves are frayed, when we're anxious, When we're afraid, when we have a lot of fear of the unknown, or we're concerned about a loved one that perhaps has been diagnosed with COVID and they're elderly and we're concerned for them. So we need to be soothed. Or even a little puppy that cries and wants to be held and and petted and, and loved. Or a little baby that cries and just wants to be picked up and held and cuddled by mom or dad. It's like that, that the Lord Yeshua wants to will shout over us with jubilation and soothe us with his love. What a beautiful picture. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. The ironic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26.